Welcome to the show. This is the bottom line of WWE Friday Night Smackdown, October 28th, 2022. You're listening to the Cream of the Crop Wrestling Podcast, the podcast your mom told you to listen to because it's like veggies for your ears. We are your mega powers of the program. I'm Patrick. And I'm Rob. And please embrace the kingdom of the madness by like, sharing, and subscribing. Pap, I have never felt a more holy shit moment from a promo segment than tonight. So I am excited to talk about it. I am excited to talk about it. Well, we'll get there, but before we get there, you're going to have to give us a word of the night. Usi! <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, straight from the gorilla's mouth, let's enjoy some wrestling. Because <laughs> SmackDown started with the first match of the night, which was the Brawling Brutes, Butch and Ridge Holland versus Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa. Before their entrance, Sami Zayn tells Jey Uso... Tonight is all hands on deck because the Tribal Chief is not there yet, and the first thing he needs to see after last week is that all their arms be raised in victory. During this match, the Brutes used team, teamwork to get the best of Sami Zayn. Solo was the difference maker for his team, but Butch and Ridge end up trading hot tags, and they just outdo Sami and Solo. But that's when the Usos start to get involved running distractions on the outside of the ring. But Jay messes up Sammy's strategy by trying to save him from a top rope dive from Butch. Sammy gets in Jay's face and tells him he had him. Solo goes to get in between them, but then they're ran over by Ridge Holland. Solo managed to push Sammy out the way, so Sammy gets in the ring, but is immediately rolled up from behind by Butch. The Brawling Brutes beat the Bloodline 1-2-3, but that wasn't the end. Because at the end of the match, Sammy and Jay are arguing in the middle of the ring. Jimmy ends up spinning Jay around, and that's when Roman Reigns' music hits out of nowhere. Pretty sure he's not here to celebrate his 789th day as our champion. He's come to acknowledge the elephant in the room. He gets to the ring, and he tells Jay and Sammy to put it all on the table because he wants this issue fixed right now. Sammy starts first, and he tells Jay that he doesn't know what his issue is. He likes Jay. He doesn't, he doesn't understand why Jay doesn't like him, and he apologizes to Jay, and even extends a handshake. But Jay tells him to get the hand out of his face. He doesn't like anything about Sammy. And then he says, how does Sammy think he's part of the bloodline, but he ain't blood, and ends up calling Sammy a fake-ass ooze. He questions if Sammy would even shed blood for the bloodline like he has, and Sammy stops him right here, telling him he's trying to make peace. The tribal chief said he wanted peace, and Jay, wrapped up in the moment, says he doesn't give a damn what the tribal chief said. Roman Reigns slowly turned around to give Jay this you-just-fucked-up look. But Sammy interjects and says Jay didn't mean what he said. 
He's not himself lately, and he just hasn't been very oozy. The crowd laughs, and they start chanting oozy. This makes Roman crack a little bit and laugh, but he regains his composure when asking Jay if that is his problem, because he's not feeling very oozy. And he tells him if he doesn't figure this out and find his inner ooze, he's going to remove the honorary from Sami Zayn, making him a full-blown ooze. And he, he'll just change his name to Sammy Uso. The crowd starts chanting Sammy Uso. Sammy looked very surprised and happy when all this is being said. Rob, help us find our inner ooze on beginning with the match. Uh, so the match itself was a solid match. Uh, so I would say, yeah, did what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to set up even a little bit more conflict between uh, Jay and Sammy heading into the, the segment. But also it set up a, to where Holland and Pete Dunne got the win. Uh, they did announce the tag title match for at Crown Jewel between the Usos and the Brung Brutes. So I'm excited to watch that. Uh, so that'll be a good one to have. Uh, match itself, standard, awesome opener. Uh, the Brutes are super over right now. Like, super over right now. So I, I'm excited to see where that is going to lead down the road. Uh, but let's get to the important part. <laughs> this promo segment was spectacular. First of all, when Roman's music hit and he started coming down, you see Sammy just mouth, oh shit, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> uh, then, then you add on top of it. So they get to the ring, and then Roman has St. Louis acknowledge him. And then he wants to acknowledge the elephant in the room. And no offense to Jay, but Sammy has been nothing but nice. Sammy has literally done nothing wrong through this whole situation. Just trying to fit in, trying to be helpful is all he could be. Jay's just, you know, being annoyed. And Jay lays out why he is upset. You, you've said this before. Uh, I hate, I'm going to say something out loud, and I hate that I'm saying this out loud. Kudos to Kevin Dunn for the shot, of the wide shot of when Jay said, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief wants. Because without that wide shot, you wouldn't get that Roman look. That Roman, like, wide-eyed turnaround on, what the hell did you just say, sir? Like, that, you would not get that. Um, so that right there was kudos to production on that one. That was a shot. And then next, after that, bringing up the whole Uzi thing, I... Can I... Can, all right, so on Saturday Night Live, the funniest moments are when the characters on the show crack up laughing. And they can't control themselves. That's what was happening here, is Jay, who has been so stone-faced through this whole thing and has never let Sami Zayn get to him, finally had to cover his mouth and finally cracked a little bit of smile. Roman couldn't help himself. You see Jimmy in the background just laughing his ass off. Thankfully, Solo Sokoa was never on camera, even though he's probably stoic. He probably kept it together, but I have no idea. Uh, but the whole Usi thing was great. And then I'm kind of upset. I don't I don't enjoy uh, Sammy Uso. I would prefer uh, Uso Zayn. I think Uso Zane is a better name. Uh, so, so go a go watch this segment, everyone. This was the I, I I get tired of saying this. Every time the Bloodline have a full group segment, I'm like, this is the best segment that SmackDown has done. And then they go and do another one, and you're like, oh my god, this is the best segment that Bloodline has ever done. <laughs> and like, just so I am excited. Uh, looking ahead, I always thought that this was going to implode at War Games. Um, you can. You can get a little bit, a few more months out of this before I think I think it hits the peak. I'm actually going more towards the Rumble area when I'm thinking it. So uh, keep doing moments like this. Keep having these awesome shots of Roman. Just oh god, I, I can't even. I I want all of you to hit pause. 
go watch this segment, then come back and finish this episode because I, I can't explain to you enough how immaculate all of this was. And I don't think it all went to plan because then you got Heyman at the very end being like, we have this commercial break in three, two, one. And I think it was more of like a, we got to get out of this because no one was expecting to crack up the way it was. You got Sammy with the shit-eating grin because he made everyone crack up. And he's just like, yes, I did this to all of you guys. Take that. Oh, God. Like, I just, I cannot get enough of all of them on my television. So it was it was great. All of it was great. Every time, or every part of this group here is just a working gear. And when you get them all together on television, it's gold every time. Dude, and the crowd, when when Jay said, I don't give a damn what the Tribal Chief said, it didn't need that shot to know how big of a moment that was, because even the crowd immediately was like, oh shit, Jay, what did you just say? Why would you? Yeah. Like, that's how over Roman is yeah. as, like, a leader. Like, that's insane to me. That is insane. Well, let's keep it moving here, because the next thing to happen is we get another Viking Raider vignette of all three of them drinking out of ceremonial horns. And pouring it into the fire. Still not showing the woman's face, but we here at Cream of the Crop Wrestling say, who else could it be other than Sarah Logan? Am I right, Rob? You're right. Double thumbs up on my part. Uh, I want to say this is meaning that we're definitely close to a Viking Raider debut, especially them. I think that's what the them pouring their drinks into the fire symbolizes. So... Uh Triple H is big on doing it on either pay-per-views or the episodes after pay-per-views. So we got Crown Jewel coming up or Survivor Series, one of the two. So I think that's when it's going to happen. So definitely excited for the new Viking Raiders. Let's get into our second match of the night, which was the Maximum Male <laughs> Models, Masse and Mansois versus the New Day, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston, who give us a pre-taped promo during their entrance telling us, but they are focused on the Usos right now. This match gets underway, and Xavier and Kofi control the entire match. They isolate Mansois, despite Maxine Dupree trying to cause a distraction on the outside. The New Day were just on a roll the duration of the whole match, and end up winning after hitting the midnight hour. Rob, it looks like there's going to be a challenge to the Usos down the road, so tell us how we got here. Uh, so this is a nice little squash match, uh, which was what it was meant to be here. Uh, so actually, it's the November 11th episode of SmackDown. Um, I hate kind of foreshadowing that the Brawling Boots are going to lose, but the November 11th episode is the final televised episode where someone could beat the Usos before they break the record of the longest reigning tag titles. Um, so it just only makes sense that they beat the New Day on that night, uh, just to add a little bit of you know drama of what could happen. But uh, so. That's that to me is uh, the landing spot for that one. It's just going to be a nice one-off on that SmackDown of November 11th, where they're going to fight for the title. So it'll be a good one there. Uh, as for the match, it was what it was. Uh, maximum male models are not my favorite thing, but I think they're a wonderful low-card gimmick. I mean, they're no different than what uh, the Fashion Police was or Primo and Epico, anything like that. We need those people on our show, and honestly, they play their part perfectly. They literally do the, do what they're supposed to do. They bump really well. Um, we'll talk about a bump later in this match because I liked it. Uh, yeah, so it was what it was. Thumbs up. I like how they hug each other before the match starts, and I love how they tag each other in by touching each other's fingertips. Yes, that's great. No, like like I said, everything about their character is over the top, but they play it up well, so that's why I'm good with it. 
Yes. Let's head backstage because we get Kayla Braxton interviewing Sonya Deville, who is then attacked again by none other than Liv Morgan. During the scuffle, they manage to knock a bunch of stuff over and they knock over a curtain. And if you didn't see, there was another Bray Wyatt symbol on a crate and it was center frame. This is kind of a rinse and repeat of what they pulled with Liv and Sonya before. But what'd you think about what'd you think about this? A uh, nice little segment here. I always like Sonya Deville on the mic. She's always great. Uh, Liv, just keep working the gimmick right now. You're going crazy. You're going crazy. You're making it look good. And like I said from the beginning, when they need a female for it, it's not Bliss. I think Liv Morgan is the one that's actually going to be joining Bray Wyatt in some sort of fashion. Also, to help, she's on SmackDown. Uh, so yeah, no thumbs up segment. Made everyone look good. Uh, progress the feud for whatever the next match is going to be. Interesting to see the Bray Wyatt symbol for a second time during a Liv Morgan attack. Dude, I keep telling you, it's the Liv, I'm telling you, it's Liv Morgan, it's not Bliss. But before we get to our uh, third match of the night, there was a little Braun Strowman promo slash vignette that we got to see here, where he t- talks about how Omos may be bigger than him, but is he stronger? It shows a lot of good footage of Braun Strowman flipping over ambulances and tractor trailers. Not much to say here. It was just just ramping up for that match. You got anything? Any words about it? I prefer this over another three-on-one squash match. So thanks, Triple H. <laughs> well, let's get to our third match of the night, which was Ronda Rousey's open challenge. Ronda gets to the ring and she cuts a promo before the match, saying, "Only great can recognize greatness." She, this was kind of an underwhelming promo compared to the one she had last week, but something interesting happened. Something very unexpected. Another re-debut of someone, and this time, that we haven't seen since the year 2016, I believe, was the last time we've seen this person. Emma makes her return to WWE. This match gets underway, and the champ just brutalized Emma in this match. Emma gets to hit a few good moves on Ronda, bringing back the Emma mite sandwiches and stuff like that. But Ronda just kept slapping on the submissions and had to result to raking the eyes of Emma to finally put Emma in the arm bar. Uh, Ronda gets the win via arm bar. I got to tell you, Rob, em- Emma was definitely an unexpected challenger in this one for me. What about you? Uh, that is not a name I was expecting to hear at all. Um, was a little underwhelmed. I think when you debut some a re-debut someone like that, I would do it in a town that's a little bit more fan-friendly, like a Chicago, New York, or something like that, so the crowd can get behind them. St. Louis is a good history town, but they don't really pop as much for people like that. Uh, but secondly, I'm excited to have her back. I don't think she's like a title contender or anything like that, but she's uh, similar to having Nikki Cross be Nikki Cross, where it's just cool. You have a person back on show that can, A, give you good TV matches, like solid, good wrestling TV matches. B, it's another face that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, but I want to say uh, Wade Barrett did his part of trying to sell Emma was back a big deal. Michael Cole was a little underwhelmed and didn't really know, like, he didn't go over the top Michael Cole like he usually does. And it was kind of like, oh, all right, Michael, you're not very excited about this. So uh, match-wise, match-wise was fine. was what it was. I was actually very excited to see Ronda do the eye rake. That was cool. Little little flare action there and get the eye rake, something like that. So uh, really, really digging into the heel turn. So I like that a lot. Um, overall, good segment. Um, Emma's back. Always makes me happy because I like Emma. And Ronda Rousey is super, super heel. And the promo wasn't as good, but it still wasn't this rushed over the top. Becky Lynch, everyone's a bitch promo that <laughs> she used to do all the time. So 
Emma was very over in NXT, so I can see why uh, I can see that she is a Triple H. Yeah, you know, I I just here. would have debuted her at a town that would know who she was. Well, at least she didn't come back to the ring dancing. That part's true. Well, let's go backstage because Jay Uso is trying to get into the locker room to speak to Roman Reigns, but Paul Heyman tells him that that's not a good idea right now. That he probably needs to hear this. You know, probably needs to hear from his wise man, not Jay Uso. So this was interesting because this sets up later on. Uh, Jay definitely showing that he's freaking out over the Sammy Uso ultimatum. Yeah, no, it's a good segment there. Uh, like Jay freaking out, making sure that everything's all good. Like you could tell, like after the heated moment was over, he's like, "Okay, I need to kind of go fix this." Uh, but you know. Paul being what he's supposed to do, kind of the Don, taking care of everything, shook his hand and said, I got this. You're good, man. Well, while we're backstage, we might as well take a look at Ronda Rousey, who's returning from her match. And she stopped by Shayna Baszler, who congratulates her on her win. But then they're interrupted by Natalia, who tells Ronda that she's lucky that she didn't answer the open challenge because she would be women's champion right now. But that's when Shayna Baszler starts choking her out. And Rhonda just stands idly by and watches and lets it happen. What are your thoughts about this? A, yes, put those two together. I know they've been teasing her for a while. Love it. B, Natalia, didn't, didn't answer the open challenge. If you're going to like, I don't know why you're saying you're lucky I didn't. Why, why didn't you? You had just as much opportunity as everyone else. So, you know, do that. Uh, but yeah, no, Shayna Baszler getting the reset putting her side by side with Rhonda and even acting like more of a killer than even Rhonda, dude, oh, all up, all up on all of this. Definitely finally solidifying that they're going to be working closely together in the future right here. But let's head to the ring because it's time for our fourth match of the night, which is a six man tag team match. Legato del Fantasma versus Hit Row and a mystery partner. B-Fab says that they have friends in high places, and we find out it's Shinsuke Nakamura. They have a brawl before the bell. Hit Row and Shinsuke end up taking out Legato del Fantasma. And during this match, LDF control the first part of the match, isolating Ashante Diodonis until Shinsuke gets the hot tag to shift the momentum. He trades the tag with Top Dollar, who gets a tag and... Gets the chance to show off some nice moves here. He gets a double uh, World Strongest Slam, which was real nice. Shinsuke gets the tag back to finish off Legato del Fantasma for the win. Not who I was expecting to help hit Row. Rob, did this meet your expectations? Uh, not really. Um, I think something needs to be done with uh, Hit Row right now because no one cares. Like, right now, no one cares about Hit Row. And I think, I mean, Shinsuke got the biggest pop out of anyone, as he should, because he's a star. Um, and we got Escobar, who's going to be the star eventually. Uh, but yeah, out of, I don't know, this whole thing was just weird to me. I didn't like who won either, because it's very 50-50 booking. But I understand you don't want Shinsuke went losing, but Shinsuke doesn't have to take the pin. I don't know. It was just, this was the only thing on the show that I was down on. I'm trying to be nice, but I just didn't care for any of this. Yeah, definitely off that they chose to go with Shinsuke getting the pin if they want to get Hit Row over. Can I say one positive thing? Um, 
the way Hit Row is right now because they're kind of dead in the water to me with the crowd. I'm glad they didn't bring up Carmelo Hayes and like put them with them because I feel like that would just hold Hayes down right now. And Hayes needs to Hayes is bigger than what they are. So I, I kudos to them on that one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Something's got to be done about Hit Row. But let's head backstage because the Tribal Chief is in his locker room with Paul Heyman who begs him to take a look at a clip of Logan Paul training. Roman kind of ignores what the wise man is trying to tell him, which is that it only takes one lucky punch. And Logan has broken his hand once, which now has steel pins in it. Roman plays it off because Logan has only had two matches in WWE. But that's when Heyman says Brock Lesnar won the UFC championship in his third match. Roman then gives Paul the you just fucked up look. This is the second time we've seen it in the night. And that's when Heyman says he'll just go get the jet ready. He excuses himself. What do you think about Logan Paul having a steel hand? It's a good segment. I think it's going to make for a nice drama because there's going to be a moment like two minutes into the match, maybe a minute in the match where Logan gets a nice shot on Roman. And Corey Graves is going to lose his mind thinking that this was the shot and that, you know, going to get a nice near fall. So uh, it makes for a nice dramatic moment. They're going to add to the match. But otherwise, it's Logan Paul, man. Like, I I, I have no faith the man's winning the title. So, uh, <laughs> But I love Paul Heyman here at the end, dude. Like, trying to – he's selling the match better than anyone is right now. And then you add on top of it, like, knowing that he's pissed off Roman. Roman's been pissed off twice now tonight. And he was just like – all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ski daddle now, and so that, <laughs> that that made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, like I otherwise they are doing everything they can to make it feel like Logan Paul has a chance, and I give them props because they're not doing weird ways about it; they're doing logical ways. So I enjoy that part. Definitely a good funny segment here. But before we get back to some action, let's head over to Kayla Braxton, who is backstage interviewing L.A. Knight, whose promo is cut short by Ricochet who tells him that Knight might have a warmer reception if he didn't go around acting like God's gift to SmackDown. Because around here, when someone's head grows as big as his, someone's likely to knock it around. LA says, you know what, you're right. He is God's gift to SmackDown. And walks off. Yeah! What do you think about this promo? That was an excellent, yeah. Uh, you could tell the uh, the difference in the charismatic abilities between these two men are like, completely what <laughs> one is like way up here super high level and then you got ricochet which you're great in the ring but man like you just have no charisma on the mic which that's fine like whatever it was a fine little segment setting up you know going to set up a nice tv match either was it for next week or a couple weeks from now i'm probably looking at next week next week okay so it's going to be a good tv match going to be our first time seeing uh oh no la Knight was in a squash match but this will be our first not- time seeing la Knight probably in a competitive match um and he's with a guy who is a, I mean, a top five, top ten worker in the entire company in Ricochet. So, perfect person to give him a good match, make him look good, and take the loss. Thumbs up for me. Yeah, I think it'll be a good matchup for sure. But let's head to the ring for our first, fifth match of the night, which was Karrion Cross with Scarlet versus Madcap Moss. They have a good trade-off of physicality at the beginning of this match. Cross just begins overpowering Madcap. Madcap does get a chance to show off his resiliency, not giving up easily, and showing off a little bit of power of his own. But when he gains some momentum, 
That's when Scarlet runs a distraction, and Carrion Cross takes back over from there. Carrion Cross ends up hitting the cross hammer to the back of the head for the win, and then he locks in the cross jacket after the bell. Scarlet brings him a microphone for him to say to Drew McIntyre that Madcap put up a better fight than he did because he's not a coward or a hypocrite like Drew. Because all Drew McIntyre stands for are his own ambitions. And Cross stands for the new beginning. Rob, is history going to repeat itself at Crown Jewel, like he said? I believe it will. Um, I think they want to keep Cross strong and push him as like the next uh, big monster um, in WWE. Uh, Match-wise, it went on about six minutes too long. Like I enjoy that you're trying to make Moss look like a fighter, that kind of thing, but... Let's be real. Madcap Moss's ceiling at most is a is a guy that's going to be great with the fans on like WWE live events, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but Killer Cross or sorry, Carrion Cross, he <laughs> is. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he's a dude that like he's a future star. Like he's not my favorite in the ring. I've talked about this before, but the presentation, the look, uh, the, the duo between him and Scarlett is a main event act. But the segment at the end, man, holding him in the uh, the cross jacket. And then just saying all that stuff really, it just shows how vicious he is. It shows, I don't know. For me, it was, I wish the match was a squash match, but it made Cross still just look like a dude not to mess with. And so, yeah, he'll win. Like, I think he should win. I think McIntyre's going to put up a good fight, but I think right now McIntyre's just kind of on the back burner for, and just trying to be a gatekeeper for guys ready to go to the main event. Yeah, not a bad match here. It definitely, uh, a while since we've gotten to see Madcap in a prominent spot, and he ends up getting the main event spot here with uh, Karrion Cross. Yeah. I think it, they did it well enough to where it made it kept Madcap looking like a, a legit contender. Yeah, it made him look like he was tr- like a fighter. I mean, we talked about this almost like Mustafa Ali, uh, but in big form. Uh, but man, it was twelve <laughs> minutes, and it felt twenty-two. Was it wasn't too bad, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> but what, not, wouldn't expect that as the main event on this card either. But, well, yeah. when you got a Bray Wyatt promo coming up, you know that's the main event. But before we get to that, let's go backstage because Caleb Braxton is starting an interview with Rey Mysterio, who tells us that he's excited to compete for the Intercontinental Championship when he's attacked by Imperium. And that's when Gunther rips Rey's shirt to give him a really big chop. Ugh. What do you think about this? Uh, just a little, little you know, just a nice little segment for next week. Nothing, nothing too special about it. It was sweet, perfect, what you needed. And I'm, they didn't even need to do this. I'm already excited. They didn't even touch. I'm excited for the match next week. So, but whatever, <laughs> it works for me. I I would prefer them to get as far back on that camera from those chops because the closer they get, the harder it looks and the more painful it looks. Ray's about to take like twelve to eighteen of those next week too. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, let's get, let's get to the last thing to happen in the night. Bray Wyatt, he comes down to the ring, and the fans with the lights and the cheers, and he tells us that he can really get used to that type of energy. The crowd chants, welcome back, and he says, when they start doing stuff like that, it makes him feel invulnerable, like he needs to do something wild. He goes on to say, He wanted y'all to see something he's very proud of. He wants you to notice right now, it's just him. It's just him and you right now. Just him and y'all. There's no mask that he's hiding behind. There's no smoke and mirrors. 
It's just me and you. That's what he wants y'all to get used to. This is Bray Wyatt, the real man. This is the best version of him that will ever be. He is proud to be here, and he's going to do, he's going to do some spectacular things while he's here. He continues and tells us the majority of his life, he's been completely out of control. His emotions don't work like most people's. He doesn't have control, and sometimes they can send him to a very, very dark place. Other times, no matter how hard he tries, he just doesn't feel anything at all. That's part of what makes him, him. For him to get where he has gotten, he has had to do some really horrible things. And there's a part of him that really, really likes that he's not afraid to do those horrible things. And he knows there will come another time where he has to face adversity and do something horrible. But that's when the lights go out and the titantron flashes some images with a qr code that takes you to a recent picture of bray wyatt with the word liar written all over it and then it reveals the masked figure we've been seeing in the last couple weeks who tells us he's just the ghost of the man who sold the world he says you are a fool you killed the world you sent him away and as he says that, it flashes an image of the fiend. And them, he says, they're the reason why. You're just a shell of what you once were. He says, revel in what you are, for you are a liar. You claim that you don't wear a mask. We both know that that's not true. You'll never be able to hide from me, your Uncle Howdy. Rob, what do you think about Uncle Howdy? I am still trying to figure out if Uncle Howdy is another version of Bray, like split personality, or if this actually is just a new Wyatt Family 6 kind of thing that they've been talking about, where he's just an extra person that Bray, it's almost like the crazy uncle Bray doesn't want to talk about, you know, that kind of thing. So there is so much to go here. You can try and analyze it all you want, but I have no idea. Like, you can tell Bray's in the ring just trying to show that he's a good person. Almost like he was on a redemption story arc and he really brought it full forth and he's trying to be that good person, like, you know, a change of who he is. Um, but then there's these dark demons that exist behind him all the time. And they're just saying, nah, man, like this is what you really are. So either you embrace who you are and forget about this change, forget about that crowd and come with us. And Bray is just... Bray's not even fighting it. He looks just terrified of it. You know what I mean? Like, he, he looks scared of what could be as opposed to, no, I'm going to stand up to this. And so I don't know what to make of any of it. The mask was cool. Um, it sounded like it was uh, Bo Dallas <laughs> talking, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but otherwise, like, I that's all I got, man, is I, I, I try to analyze this, but it's so hard. And it's nothing but just awesome to watch. I'm just enjoying the ride the whole time. Yeah, I can't even speculate to who would be not, behind that mask. Not a clue. Because it, 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 you could even argue that it, the voice sounded a little bit like Bray. Bray himself, yeah. Yeah, so it's really hard to tell here what where they're going with it. But that's what's making it good. Maybe, maybe, hear me out. Maybe it's uh, the father. Maybe it is indeed IRS. It wouldn't matter who it is because <laughs> the way they're doing it right now is what's keeping everybody hooked. And it's I'm so telling good. you, what this is going to come off to a payoff that we're going to get 
that we're not going to be disappointed by. No, no. It's no great. They, all of this. No matter where they send this. But Uncle Howdy got a spookier vibe. Maybe like he's that creepy uncle, you know, like the fiend was scary, but this guy is there's something just offsetting about this guy. It's very Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get down to our favorite moments of the night here. Let's talk about our least fo- favorite moment first, which would be the near fall of the night. What was your least favorite moment of the night? Uh, For me, it was uh, definitely just the um, top dollar. All those guys hit row and Legato. Del Fantasma? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that was just nonsense. For me, it was definitely... I would have to say... The Maximum Male Models match. Okay. (laughs) Either way, yep. Yeah, it was match. It just... It wasn't a bad match, you know? It was... You know, it was just the... Man, kind of moment for me. What about best move of the night? What about bump of the night? Uh, Bump of the night, uh, for me, was actually the... uh, In the Midnight Hour, in that same match you were talking about there... Um, uh, Matsuo, Matsuo, he sold that thing like a champ. Yeah, my favorite move of the night was probably the beats of the battering that the Brawling Brutes did in the first match. Definitely different to see a tag team version of it. Uh, what about the showstopper of the night? What what moment made you go? What made what made you want to stop the show and go? Holy cow! We all know what it is. It's the entire bloodline promo segment. That's the answer for this one and promo of the night. Let's just, yeah. Yeah, the showstopper for me was definitely, I I would have to say the Bloodline stuff, you know, Roman Reigns coming out, and especially at the point where Jay gets to say he doesn't give a damn what the Tribal Chief said. That was the showstopper right there. Promo of the night, I'd almost, I'm going to have to give to Bray Wyatt. Not mad. Um, definitely another promo where he draws you in and... Again, if you listen to it a couple times, I don't. You can't tell who he's talking to. If he's talking to the fans or if he's talking to the other M's. Definitely a good promo. What about the best match of the night? Uh, first match it was the Brutes and the uh, Usa or and Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn. This was a good tag match. Crowd was hype. Yeah, definitely match of the night for me as well. They started off the show really hot. The Brutes just being completely over with the crowd. Uh, anytime the crowd gets into a match, too, is what bumps up the match a couple of notches for me as well. Well, folks, that does it for this episode. Till next time, I'm Patrick. And I'm Rob. And thank you for listening to the Cream of Crop Wrestling. Good night. Thank you for listening to Cream of the Crop Wrestling. You can embrace the madness by finding us on Facebook at facebook.com slash creamofthecropwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at creamofthecropw. Subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing Cream of the Crop Wrestling in the search bar. Have fun with us on TikTok at Cream of the Crop Wrestling. And you can always find full episodes of the podcast wherever podcasts are found. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Oh, yeah.